Thanks for checking out today's episode of The Experience Curve, where we explore the personal journeys of accomplished individuals, breaking down the steps they took to get where they are, which I hope just might inspire you on your own path forward. On today's show, I am speaking with Haley Seeger, the brilliant mind behind One With, a groundbreaking women's swimwear brand that is reshaping the industry landscape. Now, Haley didn't just stumble upon a business opportunity. She embarked on a mission to revolutionize the way women feel in their swimwear. Now, what began as a personal quest for the perfect swimwear has now become a movement, challenging the norms and empowering women to embrace their bodies. But beyond the product lies a powerful ethos. Haley's vision extends beyond swimwear. It's about making women feel one with their bodies, free from the constraints of societal expectations. We unravel the journey of this visionary entrepreneur from that moment of frustration to the viral success of One With. Hey, good morning, Haley. Thank you so much, you know, for your time this morning. I know, you know, you're across the country for me, but I'm glad we got to hook up uh, on this call because I read your story. I don't know exactly, you know, the, the algorithms feed you people that you don't know, but you say, oh, maybe I have this person in common, a friend, but you kind of don't know who that friend is, so to speak. And, you know, I, I kind of read through your thing where you're from, your story, you know, just for this podcast alone, I thought would be a pretty amazing story as to where you've gotten so far. I mean, obviously you're still so young and this, this company's kind of exploded. So thank you, you know, for your time this morning. Of course. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for, what is it? An 8am call time? I yeah. appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. No, I'm, I'm always up and up and rolling. And, uh, you know, and you're, and you're, you're obviously in the Northeast and, and, you know, I have some ties there and we, we kind of chatted offline. So it's obviously great to connect with you in that right. Yeah. Likewise. <laughs> But your story, right? So so I read what's on your bio. We talked a little bit again prior to this recording, but sort of what was your background that led you to, you know, I know the 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 story I want you to get into about, you know, your your vacation, but sort of your background in in that industry and and sort of what led you to that in the beginning. Maybe it was in college or when you were content creating prior to uh starting this brand. Yeah, absolutely. So I started a YouTube channel when I was 12 years old, very organically, very just, I did it really because I discovered this YouTube beauty community, which this was in 2008. So this was like the early aughts of that. And I saw it and I knew immediately I wanted to be a part of it. Like I just had this, this calling in much, you know, in the same way later on, I felt like that for one with, but yeah. So I experienced like this sensation that just like, oh my gosh, I need to, I need to make YouTube videos. So again, back in 2008, that was before anything could be monetized. That was before it was a career for anybody. You know, this was YouTube in it's like a little bit before it's glory days. You know what I'm saying? But, sure. but nevertheless, a great time to be just a, a content creator, just creating from the heart because there was no money. There was no gifting. There were no PR lists, you know, that didn't come until later. So, so yeah, so I definitely am primed with a sort of social media background, if you will. And I did that for 13 or 14 years. Um, I eventually did go full-time with my YouTube channel, but all the while I was always in school, high school and, uh, you know, later college doing my YouTube channel and also working. So I definitely, 
you know, was always in some vertical of the fashion industry, I spent a lot of time in the bridal industry. And that was kind of my first foray into clothing, if you will. So I do definitely have this, like I said, this priming of social media and clothing that definitely set a foundation for one with. But e-commerce, which is what I consider like my industry to be, is obviously so different from you know, what I was doing in any of those roles, so to speak. But of course, it plays on some of my prior experience, for sure. Yeah, it's like most 12-year-olds are on YouTube opening toys or, you know, <laughs> yeah. unboxing something, you know, trying to yes. trying to make their money that way. So it's pretty amazing that you had that sort of entrepreneurial spirit, you know, back then to look at that and say, because I, you know, my daughter's 12. Like, I know 12-year-olds very well. And, you know, you look around, you're like, the drive to have that back then uh, again, seeing things ahead, you know, forward thinking of like, hey, this is a platform that could really go somewhere and help me build. I mean, the fact that you were thinking about that at such a young age is pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and I don't, I don't know if I had that <laughs> that level of foresight. I wish yeah. I did. Yeah. I just knew again, I had this like urge, you know, this this wave came over me of like, I have to do this. I don't care. You know, I hid it from everyone for so long. I was doing it for me. I want, it was just fun for me. And yeah, it just was like a very unjaded time because, you know, again, like I keep saying it, but most people now look at it as like, oh, I can do this and make extra money on the side or whatever. Like anyone doing YouTube at that time was doing it because it was really fun. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? The pioneers of uh, the platform, you know? Yeah. And if you stuck with it and consistency, I think it's like the key with anything, right? And especially Absolutely. with social media, you know, if you can grow that there. So you do this and did you start seeing subscribers? Like what, what was the sort of background with, uh, you know, a 12 year old getting on this new platform? Was it a slow build? Was it like, you know, I'm talking to nobody here. Yeah. It was like the slowest of burns. You know, to this day, you know, my channel isn't public anymore, but I, I ended my YouTube career, so to speak. I retired with, you know, just under 100,000 subscribers. So it was still a very, very slow burn. Like it never took off, but I was able obviously to go full time with it at, you know, at one point, which was amazing. And it's something I'm very, very grateful for, but I just didn't have the inherent passion and drive that I saw like my peers have for it. I had passion and drive and ambition, obviously, in my life as a whole. But that in particular, I always felt like there was a disconnect. Like I always felt like it wasn't what I was meant to do forever, obviously. And uh, I knew eventually something like one with would come along. And and that's what happened. I knew like I always had known that like since I was a little kid, like that I'd have a brand that I'd make a brand. You know, it obviously was was that day on my apartment floor, which obviously you've alluded to this story. So yeah. I should probably get into yeah, it. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. Exactly. But yeah, so basically it was uh, April of 2019. I was packing for a trip to Miami. I've been up and down and wait my entire life. I'm talking like a severe yo-yoer. My dad is the same way. Like this is just the way I'm built. And despite my weight fluctuations, um, <laughs> I've always had a solid relationship with my body. It's kind of like the only way out is through, you know what I'm saying? Like I just kind of accepted what was. And, you know, just again, despite, despite that I, I had a solid relationship with my body. I liked the way I looked in clothes. Most of the time, the one thing that I hated always was swimwear. And I was again, packing for this trip. I had on like I had tried on about a dozen swimsuits, maybe more. They were all on my floor at that point. And I was so frustrated. I hated the way that they dug into my sides. They squeezed, they pinched, like it made my body look unrecognizable. And I was like, what is going on here? And 
I literally said out loud, I just need a swimsuit that fits like my favorite no-show underwear does. That was my light bulb moment. I was standing, I'm in my condo right now. I was standing, you know, 10 feet away from where I was now when I had that moment. And it was like, I always say this, but I wish I had, if I could like have that moment on video, oh my gosh, it would be incredible. Like I... I just hope everyone gets to experience that in their lifetime, that that moment where this idea hits you and it's all consuming and it just becomes your entire brain and your entire life. And it literally has been my entire brain and my entire life from that moment in April of 2019. So I knew that if that didn't exist yet, I had to create it. I had a hunch that it didn't exist yet, but obviously did some research, figured out that it didn't and uh, went on to obviously create swimsuits that fit like underwear. And we launched two and a half years later. I mean, that's crazy. Like you said, that would that'd be a hell of a YouTube video, I guess, if you could have had that moment on camera. Yes. You know, but for, for people listening, right? So, they, you know, a lot of people, I would say, have that, not a lot of people, but, you know, to a degree, people have an idea that they think, okay, I can run with this. But it's one thing to maybe start a brand where, you know, maybe you're selling um, coaching or you're selling some kind of service you can do sort of like we're doing sitting down, talking Mm -hmm. with someone and and it's, you know, maybe low overhead or you don't need factories or, you know, however you're right. So having that concept, but then taking it to like the actual production of what you make and with one with, what do you do from there? What do you say? Like, okay, I have this idea. It's a great vision. It's, it's exactly what someone like me and probably millions of other, uh, uh, you know, lady girls, ladies, people need. Yes. What, where, where do you go from there with this idea? What's the next step? Yeah. So I had that light bulb moment and I kind of just trusted my process. You know, I trusted that I would figure out in navigating the different things I'd learn like about business and stuff like that, like that I'd figure out the best way to proceed with executing this idea. And like you said, getting factories involved and, and all that good stuff. So basically I started really slow. I, I bought a new sewing machine. I bought some fabric and I'm like, okay, I need to make proof of concept. Like that'll make me feel better. If I can make a proof of concept, I wouldn't have known a proof of concept was at the time. You know what I'm saying? Like all those, all the terminology came later, but you know, if I can make a proof of concept, then I can let that guide me to take it to factories, take it to technical designers, take it to pattern makers, whatever I need to do. And again, I, I had a priming of the fashion industry, but I always say I knew enough to know that I didn't know, you know, like I knew I'd have to call in some people or I'd have to call in, you know, higher education. Like I seriously considered, okay, Haley, like, you know, once I did make that proof of concept and it did fit exactly how I wanted it to, and, you know, yada, yada, like made it with, you know, a wrapping paper pattern, you know, on my living room floor, (laughs) like so much of this business has been born in my living room. But yeah, like once I had that, I knew, you know, um, okay, maybe I need to go back to school. Maybe I go to Parsons. Maybe I go to RISD. Maybe I go to FIT. Like I, I do something so that I can execute the design and, you know, the, the production on my own. But then I started to be like, you know what? I can't teach myself. I can't gift myself the gift of years of experience in going to school. Like that's something that I can work with someone and leverage their experience, leverage, you know, their knowledge of, of making things come to life without necessarily needing to get another degree. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's cheaper in, in the long run to just pay, you know, uh, a technical designer and someone to work with me to make this happen. So ultimately that's what I ended up doing. So basically I had just told a 
business advisor through the Small Business Development Center. Every state has one. If you're listening to this in the U.S., uh, breaking the third wall a little bit. If you're listening to this in the U.S., no, no, please, please, yeah, no, it's all about advice. Yeah, every state has an SBDC. Every single state. And it is, I forget the term that they use. You can't say it's free because it's funded with taxpayer dollars. So it is a no cost. I think they say no cost solution. They have free business advisors that are that are through the state and they're amazing. And I had found out about this from another small business, uh, just like reading an article about their Genesis story. And I made an appointment with them. And that was the only person really who knew about this idea up until that point was this business advisor who I still work with today, Mary Kay. She's amazing. And yeah, she was the one who was like this. I think you really have something. This is just about a year from the time that I thought about it. Um, and she's like, I think you should apply for this fellowship program that my alma mater UConn puts on every year. And if you get accepted into it, you get a $15,000 non-dilutive grant basically to start your business. So I applied for it. I thought it was really silly. UConn, you're from the Northeast, you know, like Yukon is very STEMI. It's known for pharma. It's known for ag. Like it's known for not fashion, <laughs> you know? So I was like, this is going to be really funny pitching to a bunch of people who, you know, are primed with that background, you know? And so I, I applied to just kind of humor Mary Kay and uh, I ultimately ended up getting accepted. And that was a big confidence booster and also gave me the money to hire a technical designer and hiring a technical designer is how I, you know, started to get my idea to factories, so to speak. So whenever I talk to someone and they have an idea and they don't know how to get it made, I just recommend that they go on Upwork and find a technical designer in their vertical that can help them bring it to life. So long-winded, but that's how I arrived at you know, this place and the advice that I impart on anyone in a similar position. Yeah. So, so you're taking everything, you have these concepts and you're, you're literally the floor that you're <laughs> sitting here right now, taking them to life with the help of others. And I think that's a key message for people is sometimes you just can't do it all yourself. I mean, what you're doing, maybe again, even things that we talked about that might be more simplistic, you're still leaning on mentors and people who've been there, done it before, have the experience to kind of bring you into okay, this is a new thing for me. And how do I just get this, th again, research and development, the, the, the design, the function, everything you're trying to convey to someone, how do you get that idea out into a physical product, right? So, and that's, that's, that's really interesting to hear about the colleges because I think people listening might say, wow, I never, you know, again, for a college that doesn't really have that sort of, you know, reputation of being, you know, fashion first, right? To have that is pretty cool too. So like you get the technical, you know, you're, I guess you went to Upwork, some people go to Fiverr, whatever. There's a ton of different places you can find people in, in all facets, right? So you, so you get this person and then what, what's like the first, is it all online based? Are you saying, are you going back and forth with files? You sit down, is it someone you recommend finding locally to your market? Yeah. It's funny because my first technical designer that I worked with, I interviewed people from all over the world. And the first technical designer I worked with happened to be from Connecticut, like oh, lived 25 awesome. minutes from me, completely coincidentally. But now my technical designer that I've been working with for the last couple of years is in Canada and we do everything virtually. Now I can do that by the 
fact that I know a lot more now, you know what I'm saying? Like I can, I can spec my own garments. I don't need her to do that. You know what I'm saying? There's stuff that I can take on, but it was a ton of file swapping back and forth, you know, like basically unloading on this person that I was bringing in, obviously to help me get closer to production, (laughs) all of the files that I'd been creating and the PDFs and the color palettes and the mood boards and the sketches and the, you know, conceptual drawings that I had done out of how we can actually execute this concept, you know, literally just it was probably like a 25 page document that was sent at one point, but yeah, it was, you know, obviously you have to do as much as you can with the knowledge that you do have. And then obviously equip yourself so that when you go to talk to someone like this, you know, you at least know how to guide the conversation, but obviously are relying on them to tell you their expertise and how to execute. But doing so much research is so important so that you know, again, how to guide the conversations that you're about to walk into. Yeah. So this person who gets, you know, you guys are, uh, you know, both file swapping back and forth. Now they're sending you these files and then now you're taking them to a factory, so to speak, maybe. Mm -hmm. And they're basically manufacturing this, this design. And then is then you bring in what, like fit models or how, how does that work from there? Once you have, okay, we agree on a concept. Let's just, put this to work and see how it, you know, feels to somebody. Exactly. Yeah. So once we agreed, you know, or I shouldn't say agreed on the concept, once I had nailed the concept down, you know, of how this would be executed to my vision. And plus, again, I already had existing my sketches. Like I already had those, you know, we are not reinventing the wheel here with our actual designs and styles. Like it's, it's pretty classic timeless swimwear. The thing that is obviously completely reinventing the wheel and completely disruptive is our construction, right? So I, you know, we took those things and we married them. My sketches, the construction created tech packs. That's what you need to like basically equip a factory with what they need to produce your, your goods. And we just started sampling. I don't, I don't remember how many factories we sampled with, but you know, we basically sent these tech packs to so many people and we waited for the samples to come back. And so many factories just made seamless swimwear. And that's not what we do. We, we are edgeless swimwear. It's something completely different, but they just saw it and like, didn't really register what we were doing and made what they were used to making. And we knew right away that those wouldn't be the partner factories that we'd work with because we're looking for someone who obviously has an eye for detail and also is willing to make this new novel concept come to life, right? So once we found that factory, obviously that's who we ultimately placed our first order with. And again, that was back in 2020 at this point. So yeah. So not that long ago, but you know, now did, did I guess, you know, this is something I didn't think about until now. Like did... Did the plan, did the pandemic play a part in getting this to life in, in such an odd time that you're finally get everything coming and all of a sudden this obvious, you know, global <laughs> pandemic hits? Yeah, not really. Oh, and and it sounds funny. It sounds really funny. It just happened. I actually am, I don't, I don't want to say I'm, I'm obviously grateful that that happened. I'm very grateful though for the time that, that COVID gave me to be alone in my condo more than I already am and just like pressure cooking this idea and pressure cooking, making this come to life. Now, what I will say is, you know, we obviously had issues with the factory, you know, being delayed in production. That was never explained to us as being due to COVID. That was explained to me as being, you're small potatoes. We don't care. We don't. You know, and that's just the reality of it. Even now, and we're much bigger than that initial order that we placed, like we're still very small potatoes and they can very easily be like, we got an order that just came in from, you know, insert whatever conglomerate here. 
one with is getting shelved, you know, like off the production line for the time. Like they have that power, right? And that's kind of more of what ended up happening and, and being what caused delays as opposed to the pandemic, which is always fun. When I say like, oh, we started in 2020, people always have that reaction, you yeah, know, like that you had. And I'm just like, yes, but no, you know, being small is what what did it for us more than anything, I would say. Yeah, of course. And and any startup, I'm assuming, you know, well, not any, but but many, you know, have a good share of ups and downs in in the beginning, right? So would would that be like sort of like your biggest hurdle in the beginning? Like the fact that you were sort of like you said, small potatoes? We actually lost our factory. We mm -hmm. were like fully we were about to produce or put down the deposit. Like we had sampled done a ton of samples. I shouldn't say a ton. We were very far along in a sampling process with this factory. And one day we just got an email being of them being like, sorry, we can't do this. And that was pretty, I don't want to say it was devastating because honestly, things had been going so smoothly up until that point. I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like mm -hmm. I was just waiting for it. And so when that happened, I was like, there it is. There's the shoe. Okay. On to the next, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. that one was a big one. It was Honestly, we got so delayed, Joe, so many times that it was, and, and again, maybe, maybe ultimately it was COVID and maybe I could go back in my emails and see that they mentioned, you know, the pandemic 40 million times, but again, I don't, I don't believe so. It was, it was gut-wrenching because, you know, I wanted to launch summer, I wanted to launch summer 2020, obviously that's actually, I wrote in my journal, launch March, 2020, when I initially thought of the idea, which is funny, obviously that would be funny if I had, you know, and definitely COVID. COVID related if I had tried to launch then, but kept, we kept missing these milestones, these, these markers of when a, a swim brand should launch in my mind, like, okay, spring break has passed. Okay. Memorial day has passed. Okay. Summer has now passed. Okay. Holiday has now passed. Like, oh my gosh, when is this going to happen? You know, we're so at the mercy of production. So that's, that was a really big, you know, gut wrenching time was just waiting. Yeah. And, and, and was there like, uh, uh, once this happened, this kind of was like, a, you know, obviously a mental and a, and a physical setback. What was there a factory that you came to you or, or how did that work out to where it finally said, okay, we have sort of this happy marriage relationship with, you know, the manufacturer. When did that come about? So the, that waiting period and like not knowing when our product would come, that was working with the factory. Like we had, I believe, placed a deposit at that time. And they were just like, oh, sorry, we can't deliver at that time. Oh, sorry, we can't deliver at that time. Like, you know what I'm saying? So this, we weren't waiting for another factory to come along. This was our factory. Needless to say, we do not work with this factory anymore. But that was obviously, you know, a major, major issue yeah. <laughs> to launch. <laughs> right. So then when you finally get the, the your product for the first time, like what's that feeling when you see it you see it on a model i'm assuming you call them models i don't want to you know um you know fit models is what i've always been told what is that feeling like when you're like okay we finally we nailed this down this is exactly what we want all this back and forth with the tech person what's that feeling yeah i the first time i saw on me i was our fit model okay because i was making this for me i i you know happened to be my target demo you know and it was really just like, I could kind of like breathe a sigh of relief, right? Like this can happen. Wow. This came from my brain and it's on me. You know what I'm saying? It, it was very affirming, but yeah, you know, I, I do remember though, when we got our first bulk production delivered, which was August of 20, 
20, right? No, August of 2021. Oh my God, it went oh. on that long. August of 2021. Yeah, August of 2021. I remember my mom being so excited. She was like filming the freight truck pulling up. And I was just like, whatever, man. Like, I'm so, I'm exhausted. Like, I have fought so hard tooth to nail for this. You know, when you fight so hard for something, you like are just like, yeah, it's here. Like, you know what I'm saying? You know, it's just kind of anticlimactic at that point because you've used a lot of your chips. And that's how that first production run really felt. And thank goodness I've had, you know, other deliveries since then that have been really exciting and haven't been so hard tooth to nail thought, you know, that I can just enjoy them. But that first one, I just remember like being a little almost somber that day. Cause I was like, this should have happened a long time ago. And maybe that's a bad mindset and I shouldn't like promote that, but you're going to have moments like that, you know, in your journey for sure. No, I mean, many entrepreneurs have that same self doubt or again, frustration, even when they get what they've been working towards, because it's like, mm -hmm. oh my, like you said, now you're almost missing summer of 2021, essentially at that point, we did. you know, yeah. Uh, and you know how the East coast is right. Labor day. It's like, all right, it's kind of it. You know, people are done. So, so you get that. It's a very cute story about your mother though. And it's, it's actually, <laughs> you know, huge to have people that are so supportive of you is oh, that, yeah. that close to you. So, you know, that's obviously very sweet of her. So, so, you get the, the product and for someone listening again, this, this might sound like automatic to, to someone like yourself who's been doing this, but where do you go now with this product? Is it like local boutiques? Is it, you, have you already researched places you want this in? I'm assuming, you know, you might have established some relationships, but again, someone for listening, where do you take your product now that you have it? I knew from the jump, we'd be direct to consumer only, okay. like at least to start. I was waffling back and forth. And of course you get people in your ear who are like, you should really have this in boutiques, whatever. And I'm like, no, no, no. I need to, I need to put this in an environment where I can get all of the data. I can get all of the feedback. I can see our product market fit or not see it. Right. Although I was really confident in product market fit, but I wanted to have control over our distribution for the first whatever time. And honestly, we're still direct to consumer only. So I knew D2C was was my way. And basically once that stuff got delivered, you know, in in August, like you said, summer's over, you know, basically. And it's depressing to think about, but it is, you know, summer's over at that point. I knew launching Labor Day, whatever, you know, I wasn't going to October. No. My only thought was, okay, November, November. You know, that's right before the holidays, like right before the end of the year. People are gonna, you know, go on vacations and stuff like that. So we ultimately launched in November of 2021. But yeah, we were direct to consumer only. And was that, you know, obviously you have a, a background in content creation. Obviously you built your YouTube channels, your Instagram's very popular. What what did you sort of do? Like, what were your methods of uh, getting to these people? Was it Was it largely social media? Were you buying internet ads? You know, I don't know budget wise, you know, what, what worked, but you seem to have created like a, a strong emotional connection with women. So I'm assuming that comes, obviously that comes from the heart because you can tell how passionate you are about your product. You know, you, you, you went you, everything from, you know, personal journeys to, you know, being the actual fit model for these clothing, you know, exactly what you want and, and, and your customer and how you can make their life better through your product. So, because I think that that's, Again, like this emotional connection, you see that women, you know, responding to that. How did you sort of create that in the beginning? Was it social media or, or another avenue? Yeah. So I actually, to this day, never announced 
the launch of one with on my YouTube channel. Like I just stopped making YouTube videos one day. Yeah. Yeah. I you just, shut it down. Right. Yeah. It's just, just private. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah. I just stopped before I ever launched one with, I knew I wasn't going to use it as my platform. I didn't want it. And, and again, I was so small. I can't stress enough, Joe. I was such a small influencer, like so small that I, you know, knew this couldn't stand as an influencer brand. Like yeah. it's not, it's not. And I knew I, I was very real with myself on that. Like that just wasn't happening. And that's not what I wanted. Ultimately, I, this was my next chapter. You know, it wasn't the next chapter of my YouTube channel. This was my Haley Seeger's next chapter, you know? So I, you know, I did some promo on my, my Instagram, which again, you know, has a small following. I can honestly say though, like my followers from, you know, that I have from YouTube have very little interest in me as a founder. So I wasn't really leveraging that. Um, you know, at least in, in the response, <laughs> put it that way. You know, I wasn't really leveraging that. I knew that for the first few months until we got money in the bank, I'd have to go organic social, you know, just on one with accounts, like try to build up one with accounts. And that's what I did. So I, for the first like month or so, I was really shy about joining TikTok. I really didn't want to. And my friend Julia was like, you have to do it. You need to do it. And I'm so glad she said that because ultimately three months after we launched, we went viral for the first time and like sold out of so much stuff. And it was crazy. So, so yeah, fostering, you know, that connection that you're talking about with women through organic content on social media on the one with pages specifically making that like you know its own community is how we got our feet on the ground and, and started kind of getting off running so so TikTok became the 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 platform that sort of helped you really engage with people and is that sort of something that you prioritize now or is it instagram or kind of you know everything TikTok is what I use for my, my like content testing ground. Okay. And then if it works on TikTok, I bring it over to Instagram. Mm. But Instagram, I really, I just like Instagram a lot for businesses. It's a different energy. It's a bit more business friendly. TikTok is very creator friendly and less business friendly, I feel, just with like the feedback. And, you know, Instagram is much more about like community and it's a different, you know, level of like constructive criticism or feedback or whatever. So I just, I spend a lot of time on Instagram and talking to our customers on Instagram. I, we collectively really, really like it. So in the beginning, was it just you sort of direct messaging people when they would engage with your, you know, posts? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it was just me managing like all customer communication efforts for the first definitely few months. And then after that viral pop, I was like, Oh boy, I can't do this on my own. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just too much. And, um, you know, even when I got help, it was still a lot, you know, it still is a lot. So yeah, it's a concerted effort though. <laughs> yeah. So, right. So, so the people that are like, when you're, are you targeting people, uh, you know, maybe a certain, you know, demographic in terms of, you know, maybe, maybe age or, uh, is it, does it start like, location wise are you trying to hit people just in the united states to begin with are you going beyond that in the future how, how does the the strategy of like okay i have this product i know people like it i've sort of gone viral like what where, where do I, how do i build that because going viral for a lot of people it could be just be one video yeah of them lip syncing something and then you, that's <laughs> it right um yeah. but to kind of continue that trajectory upwards yeah so i mean Ultimately, yes, we we really do focus so much of our time and attention, obviously, on business here in the U.S. Um, and targeting super specific demographic 
stuff, you know, that came later with ads, but in terms of creating organic content, which again, if, you know, so much of your viewership or, and listenership is people who are just starting, like, I think it's really important to hear your, your content needs to convey and your product and your business and everything as a whole needs to convey the problem that it solves for people. That's what my swimmer does. It's problem solving swimwear, right? So all of our content plays on this swimsuits that fit like underwear. Like, haven't you always wanted a swimsuit that fits like your favorite no-show underwear does? Like I can say this, like literally without even thinking about it, my brain goes on autopilot because I've said it so many times in my content, but it's like, you need to have that elevator pitch, if you will. And that tour of what makes your product unique and the problem that it solves and, and the way it's going to better your, you know, prospective customers lives. And if you're about to, and you know, enter a product into the market that doesn't necessarily do that, I would reconsider because there's so much saturation and there's so much noise and there's so much waste that I believe in. And, you know, whatever I do next as a venture, like I want it to be something that fills white space. I want it to be something that solves another problem that hasn't been solved yet, you know, that can really make use of the space that it takes up. So I would urge everyone to obviously make sure that their product or their concept executes on that. And then obviously that your content responds to that, you know, problem in kind, because it is definitely so much of what has made my business go viral is talking about what we do, which is solve a problem for women. Yeah. And, and, and I've seen obviously on your website, it, it shows that, you know, WBENC certified women's business enterprise, uh, one with has. Mm -hmm. So like getting a certification like that, you know, I would, I would assume personally, it's like a, a, a huge achievement, but the, the, how does that like influence, you know, the sort of ethos of your company? Like, is there like a messaging in there that for other female entrepreneurs or obviously just co consumers and customers of your product, like, what does that mean to you in terms of getting that sort of certification? Yeah, I had always seen the WeBank certified or the women-owned certified. And I'm sure if people were to Google the logo, they ha would, would have seen it before. I see it all the time in Whole Foods. There's so many like female-founded uh, small businesses in Whole Foods that I see that logo on, which is really cool. And I had recognized it. I'm like, oh, man, I want that for my business. You know, what's involved in that? And I started to look at what was involved in the certification. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is a lot. No wonder why it's not on every single female-founded product, right? It's a huge, huge undertaking. And fortunately, I found a business that literally specializes. Uh, it's a fellow female founded business. It's called Certify My Company. Uh, they're out of Nevada and they work with you to help you file all the paperwork to get the certification done. And ultimately, the, the certification process concludes with a site visit. And that's a, a WeBank employee coming out to your you know, location of business, your office, your factory, whatever it might be, and literally shadowing you and asking you questions to make sure that you are not being controlled by like someone else. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people try to get certifications to, you know, like open up doors in like supplier diversity or things like that when realistically like the person that, you know, it's not like as it seems. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. Like, yeah. Someone else is pulling the strings behind it. Exactly. Exactly. So they literally like had to ask me all these questions and make sure that I was the one actually doing these things. And that's how they ultimately grant the certification. They needed to make sure I didn't have like my dad there or my boyfriend <laughs> or whoever sure, sure. being like, you know, say this, say that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, ultimately that is the final step and we got certified. And it's just really great because I want people to know, obviously, like this is obviously vetted on such a high level. Like this is for women 
by women, by a woman, you know, and, and it's, we, we put our money where our mouth is as far as that's concerned, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think people listening could, you know, like you said, Whole Foods or, you know, other, other products or you can see them on there. It's, it's, it's pretty cool to hear how much, well, at least that they take it so seriously, right? Super. That, right. Cause a lot of times you see these certifications on, on whatever and you're like, uh, was this really, you know, or yeah, uh, right. But, but getting like, um, that it, it has to be huge and, and just more proof that, you know, what you're doing is for real and a, a problem solver and a solid product. Right. So you've done, you, you, you've done the back, backs, you know, wor- the work, the, the, the backstory is great P- for people though, listening that might be again, entrepreneurs mindsets, but aspiring entrepreneurs, right what advice would you kind of give them looking to sort of like maybe disrupt, you know, you're, you're, you're a disruptor, obviously. What would you give them advice in terms, or what advice would you give them? I should say in terms of that, is it belief in a product and the, the passion, the drive, like, you know, someone sitting down saying like, Oh, I know I have, a, I have an idea. I know this is something that could work, but I don't know how I stand out. Is it, is it solving a problem? Like what advice could you give someone listening for, for to, to kind of get out there and get their product, but, but be a disruptor? Yeah, absolutely. I, first of all, again, I would get really critical about and very, very real with yourself about where that product fits in the landscape. Like I have an idea right now and I'm really trying to get critical with myself about it. You know what I'm saying? And, and really make sure that it's, that it's disruptive. And I know, and I know what I'm thinking of is at this point, but it's like, really trying to figure out looking at other brands right of you know similar products obviously again if you're creating something that fills a white space it's not going to be an identical product but how do they communicate this okay that's interesting you know what what would my take on that be to to communicate my product okay this is how this company's website looks like you know i wonder how they got there you know i wonder who did this for them getting really curious and really observational about everything, everything around you, obviously, but specifically how other brands execute. And again, using that as like a mind map to solve for your own way of doing that, you know, and, and putting that to your product, but you have to be absorbing other brands. Like my friends always say, you know, oh my gosh, you know about the most random brands. Like they'll, they'll say a problem and I'll be like, oh my God, have you tried like this brand? And they're like, how do you know about this like niche? And I'm just like, this is, I absorb, I, I love brands and I always have. And, you know, but I love, I love getting Instagram ads. I love seeing how people are communicating their products. You know what I mean? Like go on websites and, and wait to get the, you know, abandoned cart note, you know, emails and, and ads and stuff like that and see how they're trying to sell you on their product. And then again, kind of reverse engineer it to your thing, but you, you got to start with getting curious. It's not just going to come to you, you know, out of nowhere, you know, you have to start getting inspired. That's a great you know, philosophy because I think people sit back and they say, well, you know, I, I know I, you know, people, my friend gave me advice on this and, but that's a great idea to, to look and, and, literally put yourself into the mix of I am a consumer for again, most people probably hate the ads they're getting. You're like yeah. diving in saying like, how does this work? How, how, how does the whole sort of, you know, basically from A to Z, like selling me on a product, yes. it, it observe how other people are doing it. Right. So it's taken one with and all this success you've had, but, but again, it's, it's only 2024, right? 
What do you see next for the company in terms of like maybe expansions or, you know, obviously the product itself is innovative, but people listening, what can that audience, ex, uh, you know, look forward to in, in, in the short and, and long term uh, with, with one with? Yeah. So, I mean, short term, we are, we have been really for the last six to nine months, really working on perfecting our recipe. Obviously we, we launched with our most, or excuse me, our minimum viable product, right? Our MVP, which that's the other thing too. Like another really good quote about, and I forget who said it and I really should know. And it's someone very obvious, but like they always say, if you wait until your product is, or no, if you're not embarrassed by the first version of your product, you launch too late. Like mm. you've got to launch with something, right? Um, so we launched with our MVP, obviously. And like from that time, it's like, okay, how do we tweak this? How do we make this perfect? So we've had a lot of, you know, innovation on the back end of like really making one with, you know, the best it can be. And we'll continue to do that clearly. Then also we're just honing on how we can, you know, meet demand, meet requests that people make for new styles or new colors in a sustainable way for us as a business. And then just like, you know, best practices too for just not over consumption and, and things like that. So we have a lot of new stuff coming out this year that I'm really excited about, but we're doing it in a way that I'm equally as excited about in terms of just making sure that it's sustainable for us and really mindful. And yeah, so that's kind of what's in the the general woodworks, but I definitely am focused a lot on just growing one with this year and really bringing it to new heights and, you know, opening it up to new segments of people and just making sure people know that something like, you know, our swimsuits exist, swimsuits that fit like underwear do exist. And, you know, that makes me really happy, the pursuit of that. Yeah, it's got to be like super rewarding. And that's that's sort of like the, the, what I was, you know, kind of thinking is someone that may, again, like may not know one with and and, and are discovering it for the first time. Um, obviously, you're, you're solving a, a, a major problem that a lot of women experience with, with swimwear. But if there was one thing you wanted people to know, again, first time, listening first time hearing about one with about the brand like and the experience you you aim like sort of to provide for women what what would that you know sort of one concept be yeah it's dig free elastic free swimwear we always say we change swimwear so that women don't feel the need to change themselves because that was realistically the point that i got to like i was like i just guess you know nothing will ever fit me until you know the correct way until i'm x size right or x weight right and it's like uh, actually no i'm going to challenge myself on that what if i had a swimsuit that you know worked with my body and not against my body so that's the thing that we, you know, aim to deliver on, obviously. Now, I always say this, swimsuits are so subjective. Everyone's relationship with swimsuits are so subjective, is so subjective. Everyone's relationship with their body is so different. And, you know, you can never please 100% of people. Clearly, swim is, you know, a really intimate category. But ultimately, we do something that is so different. And, you know, we have a really low return rate, which I'm really grateful for in terms of not returning customer rate. I mean, like returns, like reverse logistics, people sending stuff yeah. back rate, which makes me really happy. But that's our ultimate, ultimate goal. Yeah, no, I mean, that's pretty, that's cool that you, you touched on that because I never thought about people, people sending stuff back as, as, you know, oh, yeah. obviously something you've had to measure, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, very in-depthly with all your analytics, but the fact that that's a, you know, a very low return rate is huge. And you obviously go viral a lot with your content again, TikTok, you know, bring it to Instagram. So that's a cool little, you know, way to, to measure things and see how 
things are going for you. So if people listening though want to follow you, connect with you, what would be the best way to do that? Is it the website? Is it Instagram, TikTok, all the above? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think like Instagram, if you want to connect with us, Instagram is the best way to do that. We're everything at one with swim, one with like one with your body swim. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, Haley Seeger, Haley with a Y. And yeah, but definitely following us on our platforms and supporting us by buying our swim is always a really great way to show the brand love. So thanks for letting me plug. <laughs> no, no, of course. I mean, look, you know, I tried out myself, but I don't know. <laughs> <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but obviously I know a lot of, you know, uh, great women that would, uh, you know, totally love your product. So anything I can do to support you, I will spread the word. Thank you for your time today, though, because this story has been like, awesome for people. You know, you're, you're still so young. You're, you're such a, you know, driven person and you really know your stuff. So I think a lot of uh, people you get on and you talk to entrepreneurial, there's the kind of thing, some, some things are missing and you've done your homework and, and the proof is in the product for you. So I'm really excited to see how things go for one with uh, continued success. And uh, again, I appreciate your time today because I, again, saw your story and I thought you'd be a great person to talk to. And it, clearly you were, and um, this was, you know, a lot of fun. So thank you for your time this morning. Thank you. Likewise. No, I appreciate your time as well. Like I said, that early 8am, you know, oh, Pacific yeah. time, <laughs> start yeah. time and just giving me a platform to talk about things and, you know, a new, a new way, which I really appreciate. So thank you for that, Joe. Thanks again for your time, Haley. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Experience Curve. Please take the time to share this podcast with a friend or colleague to help get the word out about my show.